All of us believe something about the end of the world. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. Eschatology means the study of the end times. I'm really getting nervous here about what are we going to do? We, we, I'm useless. I know how to use a spreadsheet. We dismiss it as someone else's business. He's talking about the tribulation period. All hell is going to break loose on earth. In other words, no matter how bad things are right now, you ain't seen nothing yet. And this podcast is all about eschatology and what people really believe about the end of the world. And I'll be joined by my great friend, Pete Milner, who is a master of theology, a great student of history, and just a great thinker and all-round good egg. So join me in this exciting adventure. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Sauntering Podcast with me, Paul White. And this series is called Eschatology. And to help me unpack not just eschatology but the meaning of the word and everything it's kind of triggers i have my good friend here pete milner hi everybody and you'll remember pete if you've listened to our talk on revelation our series on revelation um pete is a bible scholar and an ardent student of history and an all-round good egg oh, and very kind. friend and compadre so pete what what actually do we need mean when we're talking about eschatology i mean it might be a word that some people are familiar with but for others it might be just like a massive big old all jargon all greek to me kind of thing yeah yeah. well there's a convenient truth about that it is a greek word okay um every ology is a study so biology is the study of the bios the living um sociology is the study of society um eschatology is the study of the eschatos or the eschaton which means the last so it is a study of the last things and when you read the Bible, you'll see that a lot. The last days, yeah. I am the first and the last, um, th- these sorts of things. Um, and, and it has within it that sense that you're either talking about something with a definite end, like in a timeline sort of sense, where there's a beginning, there has to be an end. Or you're talking about maybe something more straightforward, like a list of like, this is the first and this is the second. I've taken my shopping list. The last thing on the list would be okay. the eschaton, wouldn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's a good answer, Pete. Thank oh, you. Cheers. <laughs> so what I, uh, What's interesting to me, Pete, is as, as I've been reflecting on this really since our time of doing covering the book of Revelation yeah. or attempting to, um, I've been thinking quite a lot about my own views as a Christian mm. on the end times. But I've also realised that this isn't just the realm of this isn't the preserve of Christians only, but actually other groups have eschatology, such as Jews, yeah, Muslims, yeah, particularly the jihadist variety, sure, yeah, um, and all sorts of other non-believers, non-believers as well, stuff. yeah, and so it's definitely true. Throughout yeah. the course of this series, we're going to look at some people who you would be very surprised to find on our list including <clears throat> doomsday preppers mm. and environmentalists. And so we're going to just unpack this whole thing. But what's been interesting is I've reflected on it. I realised that there are certain kind of key ingredients, it seems, to having an eschatology. Like an eschatology recipe. Yes. Like right. if you're going to have a good eschatology, you need certain essential ingredients. So I'm going to throw out my little list here, Pete. Okay. So an existential threat... 
is a pretty key ingredient so and it could be due to so it's like your life your future your hope the hope of your children having a life all going or disappearing or at least under significant threat and not talking just about me and my family but we're talking about global catastrophe yes global affecting the significant majority of the people on the earth okay at the same so there might be a few left but they're only just skin of teeth kind of scenario and the these threats could be due to climate change yep Nuclear war, which is raising its head again, isn't it? Little. As a possibility. Mm -hmm. Military invasion. Yeah. COVID-19 suddenly is a thing. Well, do you know what? It's funny, isn't it? It's funny to see how quiet it's gone the last year. Compared with... I I remember when it first started, some people did start saying to me, this is it, the beginning of the end. And suddenly now it's like, well, it's uh, like catching a cold. Never mind. Yes, it's got really downplayed, hasn't yes. it? Although it's still pretty serious in China. Well, it is, and, and there's still more seriousness ahead, I'm sure. But definitely that epidemic, pandemic, pandemic. kind of idea is, yeah. is in there, isn't it? That's become a word which we use mm. with ease, suddenly, yes. isn't it? A word yeah. that we never used, suddenly we use we all, all the time. We it now. An alien invasion. Well, that's another one, good one. Yep. Yeah. A meteor strike. Yep. And extreme and or extreme weather events, or as has recently happened in Turkey, mm. earthquake. Yeah, seven point sure. eight. That is wild, isn't it? It's just awful. I mean, the death toll just this morning was two thousand, oh, like over two thousand. I, I checked yesterday, and it was still in the hundreds, as yeah. far as people knew. But oh my goodness, how catastrophic! So, these are all kind of staples, mm-hmm. aren't they? Really, of yeah. eschatological thinking. There's another one, <clears throat> in addition to an existential threat, it, and that's a significant moral decline mm. or a significant change in society. Yeah. So the introduction of a new law or... Dangerous new scenario or something that or nobody Or a new knew. president in Russia or yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Or some sort of societal yeah. malfunction of some sort. Would, would yeah. that be fair? Okay. Yeah. So, should we say, a political, it could be, the significant moral decline could be to put due to political or economic instability. Sure. War or threat of war. Mm-hmm. A technological advance, such as AI. Oh, like the Terminator. Robots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just... Skynet. On a complete little side shoot, but if you go on your, on the on the internet now, you can find AI... Mm. Um, Chatbots. Chatbots that will, or at least um, actors who will do a voiceover for your podcast yes. and do it as well as a human being would do. That's right. And almost indistinguishable. And you can pick the right. Yeah. They get it with audio books too. They've got ones that read Incredible. textbooks because nobody, even if you pay them quite a lot, can be bothered to read sort of <laughs> level three chemistry second edition or something. But you could get an AI bot that yeah. will read the whole thing. I was listening to you one. You don't have to pay it. And I thought, man, that's actually very sweet to listen to. It's not mm. difficult. It's not. Mild. I, it, it doesn't feel like I'm listening to a robot, a synthetically produced voice, or yeah. with an artificial intelligence behind it. But this well, is technically you still might not be listening to something with an actual artificial intelligence behind it. But that well, depends on your definition. That's another thought, isn't it? <laughs> but isn't it anyway. interesting that suddenly? So when we were kids, when I was a kid, a yeah. robot had a square head, yeah. flashing eyes mm-hmm. with just light bulbs. And arms that maybe 
just hinged at the shoulders, but yeah, you know, and, and, and maybe a little claw at the end, and some kind of little motor that made its feet go backwards and forwards, yeah. and or maybe semi- wheels or yeah. tracks or something. Yeah, but now robots are everywhere, aren't they? That's right. They're yeah. influencing government mm. change and all all kinds of things. So um, medical. Genetic engineering breakthroughs. Oh, good, yeah. They're so quite a trigger, aren't they? Defeating aging or, you know, superhumans or, or defeating yeah, disease, that yeah. kind of stuff. Regime change we talked about. Mm-hmm. And, and here's an interesting one, an auspicious date or anniversary. Oh, Y2K. Take on, yeah. 2012. The well, what, was, what was supposed to happen in Y2K? Year oh, 2000? everything was going to break and it was all going to All go. the computers were yeah. going to forget everything they'd ever learned because their clocks would... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> ...run out. Glorious. So it was like... Everyone was panicking, weren't they? There yeah. were some real panics, yeah, for sure. And I remember it happening. I remember um, we had a party at the church. Yeah, we did. And, and I was about, what was I, 14? <laughs> and uh, yeah, it came and went with a whimper, yeah. you know. Was... We went down to the Jubilee clock and danced at midnight. Yeah, it yeah. was a bit of fun, yeah. But at the end of that day and the beginning of the next day, everything still worked. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so all of that is to say, Paul, that, yes. you, had the, that you had the idea of a global catastrophic risk as your first ingredient so this is to say the significant moral decline or societal change is kind of a second ingredient that usually happens in eschatologies is that right yep and these can be understood in Mm. the context of these different things that we've just listed here got it so um and i think for for example if you're an ardent christian okay and you're expecting jesus's second coming yep and you've got this idea that it might well be in your lifetime. In fact, mm. you believe strongly that it will be. Yeah. You're going to be looking at current events through that lens yeah. and interpreting them in the light of what you believe your personal eschatological belief is. Yes. So everything that happens around the whole world suddenly becomes kind of condensed down onto a trajectory yeah. or a sort of... Uh, timeline which i think well of course there'll be a new war of course there'll yeah. be a new disease of course there'll be you know a scary technological advancement or a financial crisis yeah because it's all going in this direction yes yeah. and during during the early stages of the pandemic i had so many videos sent to me by people who well-meaning mm. Christian people who were sent saying this th- this vaccine yep. is actually the mark of the beast. Oh and, yes, yes. And if you right. if you accept the vaccine, they're going to do a micro tattoo in your mm. skin, and they showed me these pictures and everything of these machines that do. Oh, nanobots in the vaccine as yep. well. That was another one, wasn't it? Oh my life! And you know, you end up thinking, right, this sounds very very expensive mm. and actually very far fetched. And when, when I did have my vaccine, I had it. Me too. My, um, it was a single needle. Yeah. And I don't believe I have nanobots. But anyway, and the I may be deceived. <laughs> well, that's just what they would want you to believe. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I've had people tell me that um, within days, weeks, months, years of receiving the vaccine, there'd be a colossal die-off from everybody right. that had it. And that suddenly, you know, you'd be dying in the hundreds yeah. of millions and the billions. Mm-hmm. And each sort of line that is set in the timeline is like well it comes and it goes and that never happens and then the question is well what is the doomsday observer to conclude well well it's still going to happen maybe in the future yes but just wrong about the timing yeah Yeah. it's just because they knew we were all 
awake and and noticing. That's why they moved the boundary. Maybe. Yes, maybe. I hope I'm not being too unfair to people. Well, I'm sorry if I no, am. No, I think I think the thing is that in, in if you're listening to this and you feel offended, please don't. We're not getting at you. No, we're just we're just trying to get trying to, to make to, sense of it. Yeah, some kind of um, place of understanding, really, mm. and to be able to have a good attitude to. Like so, we're not complacent, but mm. at the same time, our expectation—we're not constantly psyching everybody up for some false horizon that doesn't happen that in is... a particular time frame. So, in the end, you've got nothing left to say to anybody because yes. everything you say sounds really stupid because it never happens, mm. or it's quietly hushed up, which is worse sometimes. Because yeah. we owe Jesus said, "I'm the way and the truth and the life," didn't yeah. he? And for me, the truth will always be God's truth. Yeah. We don't need to fear anything true. We don't need to have to hide any truth from anybody. And yeah. so if the truth is that I made a prediction or I believed something that turned out to be wrong, good that I found out that it was wrong. You know, good that I can grow and learn and, and turn the yeah. corner a little bit. But let's put our hand up and yeah, say, yeah. do you know what? I was actually really wrong. Yeah, and actually I'm sorry. Trump didn't win that election. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah. I was wrong. I was wrong. Hardest well done, everyone who said that they were wrong. Mm. That's lovely. Love it. So also, Pete, I see that... <clears> so we've got... Let's just re, re, go through those again. So we've got, number one, an existential threat due to a number of... Or any of... any factors really but including the list i've mm. given a significant moral decline Good. or change in society but it's also helpful if you've got a sacred text oh yes so something that's that's different to all other texts and something that's held in special esteem in, in as a body your of group things. of people mm. honor that text and that text says either clearly or obscurely that the, yeah. the the end is going to there come. There is an end, and, and there will these come, are going yeah. to be things that characterise its yeah, coming and yeah. sort of act as a prelude to it. Sure. So, so for the Christians like me and you, um, that's an obvious <coughs> New and Old Testament kind of thing, yeah. where the Book of Revelation, as well as other documents in Daniel, Isaiah, and Matthew, mm -hmm. and others, all kind of speak quite explicitly about yeah. those things, isn't it? Yeah. But if you're a Muslim, you might not hold that as the highest, but you might hold the Quran's own yep. ideas about it in the same way. Is that right? Absolutely. Mm. And as we go through the series, I hope we'll be able to see that actually it's not even just the domain of religious so, groups. So it's not just sacred scripture. A sacred text mm. that they refer to um, as, as kind of sacrosanct and mm. inerrant but actually yeah. it's a consistent theme throughout, really. Mm. Also, I think typically there are prophets, mm. and the prophets are backed up by experts, Sure. and the message is put out there by the sandwich board guys. Okay. And what I mean by that is when I, I remember being a little lad going to London with my dad mm. on the train, big adventure, and we were in Oxford Street or somewhere, and all the, everyone looked the same in those days. It, men all wore the same kind of long overcoats and hats. Yeah. And um, but there were these guys with sandwich boards on, right? Which said the end is nigh. Uh -huh. you know, so like a blackboard with white big right on it. Yeah. Text on the end is nigh, mm. or prepare to meet thy God. Yeah. And I remember being quite shocked by that, you mm. know, because. I, I was growing up in a church environment. Mm -hmm. I knew about God and stuff, but this was like in, invasive 
yeah. in a way, and quite... We're not in church anymore, Dorothy. No, that's right. And these guys, <laughs> they looked really serious mm. and, and severe. I'm you sure know, they were I'm deadly thinking, serious, yeah. I'm thinking, man, this is kind of scary. And so, but I guess they're just maybe weren't even believers. They may have just been given a few quid to go out and Wear stand a with a sandwich board could on. Be, could or be. maybe they were... Maybe they were true believers, yeah. But there's, what they were doing was they were putting the message out at ground level where all right. the people were. Ordinary folks going yep. shopping and going to and fro. And so along with the prophets yep. and the experts, yep. theologians or mm-hmm. book scientists, writers and things book like writers, that. apologists, yep. polemicists and so on, you've got the ordinary people who yeah. put out that message and reinforce it yes. by the various methods. And, of course, now mm. we're all able to be sandwich board guys for something because we've all got social media. Yeah, and, and we it, can put a message out there and a lot of people might read yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, And so the prophet and the expert take a lot of time, don't they, to sort of prepare their kind of... Um, speech their big polemic their big idea yeah and when it's brought out it's brought out as the sort of tip of the spear that's quite a got a lot behind it the yes. idea is isn't it and yeah. so a prophet that you don't believe in looks like a crazy person doesn't absolutely it? and yeah. it's that sort of way that people on the ground can sort of pick up that message apply it to their own lives recycle it put it out there yeah. again that's how you get a real big movement, isn't it? Yes, you can't it just have a prophet or an expert. You've got to have ordinary people as well. Yeah. And I suppose they all do have that in common, don't they? The main eschatologies we'll be looking at. Yes. And I think it's fascinating. And of course, we have this, um, as we, we've just really been saying, we've got this ability to, as individuals, put our heads in a, an echo chamber mm. where on social media... Yeah the algorithm sees us looking at certain posts mm-hmm. and thinks, oh, you like that certain post. I'll you? give you that, some more like Here's it. some more. Yeah, mm. some other things. And so you and keep... pretty soon you only read stuff that yeah. agrees with you already. And you, you'll you probably, in that echo chamber, find certain people mm. who articulate your doubts and fears and concerns mm. pretty well. Yep. And so you listen to them and you get lots more like them. And so we end up in this kind of... Thing where where what we look at is all we hear mm. and um so it it becomes very compelling and difficult yeah. and i suppose within christian circles a lot of people would take quite a lot of care to c- kind of cleanse their where they get their input from because yeah. they know or believe that out there there's certain things that if said in certain ways can actually be quite harmful so mm-hmm. we try and get rid yeah. of all the nasty stuff on our social yeah, media we and we try and bring in only stuff that we feel is uplifting or building yeah. or truthful or that kind of thing and it's it's almost a moral decision isn't yeah. it to decide to clear out your feed and, and put in only stuff that actually builds you up yeah. rather than stuff that gets at you yeah. and I think actually Christians aside, I think probably everybody curates their flow of information well, in that way. Full disclosure going on here. Right. I I thought, oh, I wonder how it works on TikTok. All right. Because I know there are some people my age, ancient, who do do TikTok and really? use it for their own ends. I which thought I'm... I was old. <laughs> <laughs> so guess what? I, mm. I got it. opened an account. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked and horrified that all that kept coming onto my 
this this all the videos that I didn't mm. really know how to use the thing, but they all seem to be sort of teenage girls doing curvy dancing and stuff, Uh-oh. and wearing little <laughs> tiny outfits that didn't Ooh. really fit. And I'm like, this isn't this is not the this kind of thing the I should be me. looking at. So no. so I ditched it. Sure. And then someone said to me, "Oh yeah, but you have to you have to tell educate it what you like. the algorithm." Yes, you have to tell the algorithm. And what you I like. thought, well, in the meantime, you've seen so much that you don't like that you've got to say, "I don't like this. I don't mm. like this. I don't like this." And oh my goodness, that process me. might not be it just for someone who's I, busy in the day. <laughs> I gave up. I'm, I have to say, I, but, I'm afraid I have missed the last three or four major social media movements of our generation. I, <laughs> So stopped at Facebook. I didn't really go on to the other ones. Instagram passed me by. Snapchat passed me by. TikTok's going by quickly, and I'm sure it'll be something else soon enough. But the so um, this guy just to go from the populist to the kind of more academic. Timothy Snyder. Love Timothy Snyder. Academic from Yale. Yale. Yeah, so he's a um, Yale history professor, and he's um, the world one of possibly the Western world's leading expert on Ukraine and Eastern yes. Europe. I think that's probably true. And you and I have both listened to some lectures by him. Yep, very interesting. Yep, and but he makes his statement mm-hmm. about the end of history. Yes, and so he talks about this idea that certain. Events are leading up to the end of history. So it's not life as we know it anymore, yeah. Jim, that kind of thing. But he says that the idea that history has come to an end is a way of stultifying or flattening the imagination. That is something, isn't it? Do you Are you aware of who he's kind of slightly poking at when he says that? No. There was a guy called Francis Fukuyama, American academic. Oh, yes, no, I do know that. So he yeah. wrote a book in the early 1990s called The End of History and right. The Last Man. And his whole thing was that neoliberalism has won. And in 1992, you've got the end of the Soviet Union. You've got the last sort of gasps of authoritarianism in lots of different places. You know, Russia's having democratic elections. A lot of the Middle Eastern countries are opening up. China is opening up to economic liberalism. And the feeling was in those 90s, I mean, when they saw apartheid kind of die in 1994, it was like, yeah, of course, you know, this is the end. You know, Castro's getting old. The Kim Jong-un, uh, well, I guess it was Kim Jong-il then. Yeah. He's getting old. It's all passing away. Yes. So all that we'll have is neoliberalism. The whole idea of whether one political system could be right or wrong has been solved. And Francis's, Francis Fukuyama's book um, made that argument right. to say we're really at the end of the wrangling about whether it's communism or, or statism or, or liberalism or conservatism. We've, we've got a neoliberal order, which yes. in Britain looked a lot like... John Major into Tony Blair. Mm-hmm. In America, it looked like Ronald Reagan into Bill Clinton, maybe. And the whole idea that everything was global, we're all interconnected, we're all free, we're all wealthy, relatively well off anyway, and things are only going to get slightly Improved, better. Yeah. That was a very big narrative in the 90s, which I think it's fair to say things like 9-11, global financial clashes, the pandemic have considerably changed people's expectations yep. and, and the acceptance of, of Ukraine. Yeah. And um, I think I, I, I've heard Francis Fukuyama talk in sort of 20 years on right. from his book and, and talk about how 
that's changed a little bit. Yeah. But um, I think Timothy Snyder is right to say that it is a way of sort of saying, okay, it's over. We don't have to, we think don't have to wonder about things yeah. anymore or yeah. where they might end up or what will happen because it's all definite. You know, we've but it's a really end. interesting thing that every single one of the um, eschatologies that we're going to have a look at in mm-hmm. this series come to a point where all of the conflict has gone. Yep. And we're now into a utopian yep. afterlife or survivor thing. Yeah. Different, uh, where everything changes. Yes. And it's or, now, or everything is gone, at least, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. And it's like, now we can do it properly. Mm. And uh, fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I think the other thing that we're going to find really interesting is that what might seem like a minority interest mm. to religious groups... We realise actually the the same kind of um, ingredients and the same kind of conclusions mm. and ways of dealing with things are actually shared across a whole spectrum of mm. different eschatological beliefs, including yeah. people who have no belief in God whatsoever. Sure. It's still a family tree with a kind yeah. of common root idea, isn't it? So I, so I think we're going to find it really interesting, mm. and I'm really thrilled you're with us, Pete, Woo-hoo. for the duration. And yeah, so guys, on our next session, we're going to be looking at the jihadists okay. and their particular angle on eschatology mm. and treading uh, as sensitively as we may indeed he does <laughs> <laughs> so join us for the next session and take care yeah thanks everyone